Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shibrivani, and today on Raise the Line, I'm happy to be joined by Dara Warren, who's the Chief Customer Officer at Penn Foster Education Group. Penn Foster works with employers to deliver learning programs that attract, train, and retain workers in fast-growing fields and professions. With more than 40,000 graduates each year, Penn Foster offers accredited diploma, certificate, and degree programs to advance careers. Prior to joining Penn Foster, Darrow was Senior Vice President of PrimeMed, a leading medical education provider focused on the primary care marketplace. So Dara, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to join. So the first thing we like to ask all of our guests on the Raise the Line is to tell us about how you got to the place you are today. How, what got you into health education and then higher ed? That's a great question. So I've always been passionate about business and helping organizations grow. And foundational to helping organizations grow is really the people aspect, the human capital aspect that really drive and power a lot of organizations. And so I was able to find throughout my career opportunities to help individuals develop, advance, further their career. First, primarily with medical education through my work at PrimeMed, where we were offering continuing education for primary care and other physicians. And now at Penn Foster, where our goal is to help individuals and employers find the next best job. And so I think when you're able to pair a really actionable occupation-oriented learning, um, it helps both the individual learner as well as the, the organizations that they work with. Totally. And I've heard a lot of really great things about Penn Foster. We share investors with Guild Education, which I know works with you all very closely. Um, before I go into Penn Foster and, and kind of your role there in the Healthcare Institute, let's talk about PrimeMed a bit, because uh, a lot of what we do, obviously, is health education, and PrimeMed is one of the biggest brands in continuing medical education. Tell us a bit more about kind of what you did there, kind of the scale you reached, and uh, any lessons you may have learned from that experience. So that was a really unique opportunity. Um, we were trying to transform how primary care physicians accessed continuing education. So we saw this opportunity where you have these really large, prestigious academic institutions that were offering continuing education to physicians in meetings of 20, 50, 75 individuals. Even a brand like Harvard Medical School was not able to reach national scale because they didn't have the right eye for distribution. And so at PrimeMed, what we did is we partnered with leading medical schools like Harvard Medical School, UCLA, Johns Hopkins, Baylor, and helped distribute and bring their continuing education to large numbers of primary care physicians across the US. There are 240,000 primary care physicians across the US. In any one year, PrimeMed would educate around 40,000 of them through at the time live events and then transition to online CME. So it was a unique opportunity to really showcase and represent these leading academic brands, but do so in a way that really brought more scale and volume you know, for their continuing education efforts. Yeah, I mean, that's incredible reaching quarter million primary care physicians in the US. A lot of our audience are either primary care physicians or will be. Uh, you know, it actually reminds me, the way we got connected is the CEO of Penn Foster, Frank Britt, uh, spoke very highly of you, and we were connected by Kate Hui at William Blair, so wanted to give a quick shout out to her for connecting us. Um, so how was the transition to Penn Foster? And you know, it's a totally different type of student, right? It's not primary care physicians, but really entry-level healthcare uh, positions that you're working on. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that one piece that had the most continuity was that I was focused on education, but how we were doing education and for whom we were doing education was quite different. So I went from sort of postgraduate continuing education, highly educated, many degree individuals to really trying to help older youth and adults, many of which who do not have a high school diploma, get onto a path for greater economic mobility. The second piece that was similar is that at Penn Foster, we're also working with large employers to help educate their existing workforces or workforces that they hope to have. And at PrimeMed, we were also partnering, as I mentioned, with the large academic institutions. So in both cases, my organization, PrimeMed and then Penn Foster, really needed to be a steward of a pretty substantial brand that these organizations had built. And so when you're partnering with another organization working under their brand, there's a certain protocol that you go through, a certain set of reviews of how you operate, because you're not really just a standalone. You're really operating on behalf of an organization that's built their brand through very unique and determined um, experiences. So I would say that's probably the piece that's the most similar. You know, what was dissimilar, as I mentioned, was just the level, um, the challenges that the learner might face. So a primary care physician might face challenges in just how they access the training or if they have time for it, where our middle skilled workers or adults without a high school diploma are really challenged to figure out how am I going to pay for this? Where's my next paycheck coming from? Um, how do I add education into the competing demands of my life, which include caregiving and working and things like that? So, you know, a different idea, but at the core, you know, business is about identifying who the, who the key target is and finding a solution for them. Totally. And so, so, I mean, your role at Penn Foster is chief customer officer. Can you tell us a bit more about what does your day-to-day look like in that position? So in this role, I'm really responsible for partnering with employers, training organizations, or other schools to help deliver the type of training that Penn Foster is known for, which is occupational focused training across allied health, skilled trades, veterinary health, plus we have the largest adult online high school in the country. And so I'm working with organizations to understand what their talent strategy is, how education and offering benefits of education helps to advance that talent strategy. I partner directly with employers or through partners, such as you mentioned earlier, Guild Education, which really bring the Penn Foster training into employers' hands. So you all recently announced an initiative to offer short-form training programs uh, that can be completed in one to three months for various positions like contact tracing, hospital companions, home health aides. Can you tell us a bit more about those uh, courses in the, the Health Institute? Absolutely. So as, as I mentioned, you know, we focus on the 80 million middle skilled workers across the U.S. and the 80 million middle skilled roles that are across the U.S. And one of the fastest growing areas within that segment is healthcare. There were almost a million healthcare roles as of April of this year. And we believe that there's a huge opportunity to put education and training more um, accessible into the hands of individuals looking to get into healthcare. It's the fastest growing sector. We believe it's one of the sectors that will be the easiest and quickest to return in this post-COVID environment or when we get to a post-COVID environment. Um, And there are a ton of in-demand jobs at this time. And so Penn Foster has been educating learners in healthcare roles, frontline roles for over 15 years. But what we did is take a slightly different approach to say, instead of having to go through a six, eight, nine month course, what can we do to sort of disaggregate the job skills into smaller bundles and get people ready for frontline work, back to work, and then onto a career ladder that will lead to more advanced roles in the future? 
And so what, what are some of the lessons you've learned in terms of what predicts success that someone will actually be able to become, say, a pharmacy tech? Are there any things that middle and entry-level healthcare careers have in common that you look for when people apply to your programs? Absolutely. I think the first is intent. So at Penn Foster, we're very focused on opt-in. And so we want individuals that have some intent and some desire to move into a career or to a role. And once we have that intent, what we do is try to help them understand how to be successful in a learning environment, which then translates into how to be successful in an employment environment. So accountability for their schedule, accountability for following their lesson plans, accountability for doing the work they need to do. Um, and we really try to get them excited and energized about the career that they're going to be moving into. Penn Foster programs are less focused on sort of general education and more focused on the occupational training. And so we're trying to get them early on to see and experience what it's actually going to be like to work in these fields. Do you see a lot of like transfer between skill sets? For example, um, obviously with COVID, which we'll get into the impact that's had on Penn Foster uh, and what your thoughts are in general about where education and workforce development is going to go. But just briefly touching on COVID, do you see, you know, people who are like in customer success at a Sears or JCPenney being successful as people who get retrained into healthcare? Like, are there commonalities between the folks that you, you all recruit? Absolutely. If you look at the DOL's sort of job classification and job specifications, the foundation of any job, really most jobs that exist, are soft skills, customer service skills, communication skills, teamwork skills, dependability, and adaptability. So whether you're working in a retail setting or you're a frontline healthcare worker, you're going to need to pull upon those basic foundational skills. Am I a dependable worker? Am I going to show up? Can I adapt to change? What are my communication skills? What are my customer service skills? It might be a different problem working in a retailer versus working in a, a hospital setting. But at the end of the day, you're really trying to help solve customer problems. And that's the foundation for being able to then access some of the higher level, more technical skills that would be in future healthcare roles. And so we see a ton of transferability. And actually, that's why we developed the Healthcare Institute with an eye towards helping food service workers, other frontline workers transition from roles that are no longer in demand at this time to areas in other industries where they can be successful. We've all, all known about the shortage of healthcare workers and how they're, you know, it's fastest growing profession, things like uh, home health aid and, and nurse practitioner. But in the midst of COVID, a lot of hospitals and health systems were furloughing these providers, largely because elective uh, procedures had uh, stopped. What do you all think of, of that? And do you think uh, there'll be a robust recovery anytime soon? I think what hospitals were doing was, was important at the time. They needed to make sure that their environments were able to take on really sick patients. They had enough beds with enough ventilators to be able to support an influx of patients. And so by shutting down electives, by reducing external risk of bringing more people into the hospital, you know, they created an opportunity to be ready for an influx. I think that some of the measures that happened you know, early on and, and each state had their own sort of measures has helped us realize that the big sort of tsunami of the need for ventilators and really sick patients was not quite as high as we thought it would be. And while we're still practicing social distancing and all of the safety measures, we can start to do the things that are important, elective surgeries or you know, non-emergency surgeries. And where I live in Boston, we're starting to see those things really open up. That's great to hear, and definitely part of the thesis we even have at Osmosis as well. So can we talk a little bit about the numbers? Um, like, how many programs do you all have? How many students? 
and then costs, are these things that the employers pay for income share agreements, or is it just kind of direct payment from students or federal funding? Can you talk a little bit more about that model, please? Yeah, those are a lot of really great questions. I'll try to make sure I can capture all of them. So Penn Foster um, works with about 300,000 learners a year. Um, some of the programs are longer form, associate's degrees that might take two, three, four years, high school diploma that might take you know 12 to 18 months to complete. So we have a, a pretty substantial user base. In this COVID environment, our enrollments and our student interests have been growing at about 30% over prior years. So we're growing pretty substantially and there's a lot more interest in, in these types of programs. We would fall in the bucket of offering really sort of short form certificate and diploma programs. And some recent data you know, by Strata suggests that that's the category in, in the education um, ecosystem that's really going to be growing pretty strongly. I think they said about 60% of the people they surveyed said they prefer shorter form certificate programs. So we have about 30 programs in the Healthcare Institute. Uh, half of them are what we call a diploma program, which will take someone from baseline up through a certification like a medical assistant or a pharmacy technician. And then we've introduced, I think, 12 to 15 different shorter form certificate programs that take anywhere from one to three to six months. So at the higher end, the longer form programs might cost somewhere around $1,500 or $2,000 all in, including all the instruction and learning materials. The shorter form courses are more in the $150 to $300 range. We have two different models. Some individuals come to us directly and pay for the courseware on their own, and they pay a monthly payment, basically a subscription to access the courses. And then we also work with employers and other organizations who underwrite the courseware for individuals. And so that segment would be employers, as you mentioned, who are looking to transition workers from one category to another or offer an outplacement benefit if they might not need them long-term. And we also work with organizations, job training organizations and community-based organizations that are really trying to get their communities skilled up and, and back to work. Yeah, it's pretty robust and comprehensive. Um, do you have like sort of an alumni network of people who maybe who they started as short form, uh, you know, they decided to become a home health aide and then they came back to Penn Foster to become a medical assistant? Is that something that's robust within your community and alumni network? We do. We have about 500,000 alumni within our network. I would say we do have opportunities to engage them more. We've started to see a real upswing within our social networks and communities among our alumni, them posting where their jobs are, what they're doing today. But it's probably, you know, as an organization, we can always be better at that. Um, and we aspire to and really help to create pathways for individuals as they stay in their existing career path or move on to a different career path. Got it. There's also a lot of different models. So obviously, we know we actually just had a guest on on Raise Line, Chip Pausek, who's the CEO of Two You. They bought Trilogy, uh, which was boot camps that really didn't have their own brand, like Penn Foster, or um, mostly used uh, the brand of universities they partner with, like Columbia and Rutgers. Does everyone get a diploma from Penn Foster, or are some of these diplomas or credit certificates from other brands, like the employers or academic institutions? Yeah, so Penn Foster is an accredited institution, so we are able to offer our own certificates and diplomas and degrees. The majority of the work that we do is under the Penn Foster brand, although it could be offered by or a white labeled instance. Um, so the work that you mentioned, you mentioned earlier, Guild, part of the work that we do with Guild is helping their employer network get access to middle skill occupational training. It's offered by the employer through Penn Foster. So there's a tight connection there between the employer and the certificate from Penn Foster. 
makes a lot of sense. So going into COVID, um, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on the lasting impact that COVID will have on uh, workforce training as well as healthcare? So I think there's always been, I mean, Penn Foster has been a, a distance learning school since its origins in 1890. So we've been an advocate for training in a distance environment, first through books in the mail and obviously then through, through online education. But I think there's been some hesitancy on behalf of traditional institutions and or employers to really understand how can you learn that online. I think a lot of that's been stripped away. What we've seen is an increase in inquiries from organizations that used to do everything in, I'm going to train someone in this and I'm going to set up a classroom for 10 people and, and run it through the classroom. Those types of organizations still have value, but they're trying to find different ways to serve. I think there will be more of a push to online in particularly skills training. I expect it to be enduring. I don't expect face-to-face -face classroom instruction to go away. I hope it doesn't for my three young boys who are hopefully going back to school in September. But I think that um, particularly in the job training space, organizations are gonna think about how the online modality can offer them some flexibility and access that they wouldn't have previously been able to see. I also think that the lasting impact is really around how businesses operate. So particularly within healthcare, you know, I've spoken to many healthcare providers that say, even with things opening up, 40% of their day is spent on telehealth. Much of their conversations are via Zoom or video consult. And I think that that part of the market, both in allied health and in vet health, which we also have a large presence in, will be an enduring part of, you know, what we've learned during this difficult time. So I know we're coming up in time, but um, I have two last questions. One is that given that our audience consists of a lot of students and early career health professionals, do you have any advice to them about meeting the challenges of COVID-19 um, or just moving forward in general? I, mean, I think that there's always the foundational healthcare skills, but I think what we've seen during this, this COVID environment is there's a real toll on our healthcare workers mentally and getting ready and, and, and really having to sort of show up every day in a very difficult environment. And so I think it's really important to think not just about your technical skills, but about your own personal skills and um, you know, mental health, because we need both of those things to be strong to have the healthcare workforce that we need. And the second thing I'd say is that I think we've also seen during COVID the huge amount of satisfaction, personal satisfaction and professional satisfaction that can come by entering into a healthcare field. So I commend you all for the work that you're doing and the training that you're doing and you know, wish you the best as you take on a really, really important role within our society. That's excellent advice and, uh, and feedback. Um, my last question is, is there anything else I should have asked or that you'd be uh, interested in sharing with our audience? I think the only thing, and we've really touched on it, COVID is forcing us to think about things in new ways. And I think we should be open to new ways of training, um, new paths into healthcare roles, and you know, really just keep an open mind for what technology and online training paired with hands-on training can really do for the workforce of the future. Well, that's a great thing to end on. So Dara, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks, Jeb. It was great to chat with you. And with that, I'm Shiv Rivani. Thank you to our audience for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise the line. We're all in this together. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast. <laughs>